สวัสดีครับทุกคนยูทินี Hello everyone ขอบคุณพระเจ้าสำหรับทุกคนยูทินีด้วย Thank you God for everyone here today พระเจ้ายูพอร May God bless you I would like to read to you today something you should know well the compass statement God created to honor God and benefit the world California Lutheran University reflects its Lutheran identity by its trust in God's grace a commitment to excellence and freedom and an ethic of service to neighbor that's what your statement is all about and today I've been asked to to join in this celebration of your 50 years of service to the world and to the the Academy we consider today James James's statement about faith and works you see here we have a paradox and here I don't mean a pair of ducks a paradox a paradox is to our two statements of reality that appear to contradict one another neither of which is complete without the other Richard Foster says that paradoxes are only apparent contradictions not real ones their truth is often discovered by maintaining the tension between the two opposites in the lines of teaching although both teachings may contain elements of truth the instant we emphasize one to the exclusion of the other the truth becomes distorted in the text today the Apostle James speaks about the apparent contradiction between grace and earning one's approval with God or what we Christians have come to know as the controversy between faith and works without minimizing Christ's sacrifice and salvation as God's free gift James says that faith by itself if not accompanied by action is dead faith action is the natural consequence of a truly changed life faith without deeds is useless now I'd like to turn to the academic experience I was a first-generation college student my father did not graduate from high school he worked in menial jobs to support his family and he wanted something much more for his children after my graduation from high school in 1966 I went to Westmont College the annual bill for room and board was a staggering $3,000 whoa today you can't buy pizza for a full year for $3,000 <laughs> in my junior year I purchased a 13 year old used car a 1955 Chevrolet Bel Air two-door hard cop coupe for a grand total of $500 in those days no wasn't no one was impressed by a 55 Chevy especially one that was painted pink <laughs> one time when I was coming home from college actually I was driving right through this area on the way to Sunland California and I discovered the springs on the car were shy they didn't have shock observers in those days and as I was driving home it was like all the way home and I came home and I went to my father for advice I said hey dad there's something wrong with the car the car's going like crazy I think the the, the springs are broken he said oh no problem you can fix that yourself I told him I didn't have a clue as to how to fix the springs on a car 
And he said, what are they teaching you with my hard-earned money? His response indicated his opinion that knowledge without the ability to make a difference in one's life is useless. Now, of course, his response didn't make me feel any better about the car nor my education. I felt what both were useless at that time. But at some level, my dad was right. If one only gains an education without the ability to better the world, improve one's life, or apply one's knowledge, what's the value of learning? In the West, philosophers' theories and beliefs can be accepted as valid even though they remain entirely unrelated to his or her own own personal way of life. In the East, the Buddhist opinion is that mere theoretical notions are considered useless, representing only sterile mental exercises. A person must actively live by what he or she has discovered to be true. The Buddha said, the man who talks much of his teaching but does not practice it himself is like a cowman counting another's cattle. He also said, like beautiful flowers full of color but without scent are the well-chosen words of a teacher who does not act accordingly. The famous American sociologist George Lundberg put it this way in his book, Knowledge for What? Sociological research and insights have to be applied for the betterment of society. Otherwise, sociological knowledge is useless. How does this relate to my life? For the first 15 years of teaching at St. Olaf College, I gave myself to research and teaching. During that time, I was promoted from assistant professor to full professor because I was judged to be an outstanding teacher and published many books. Fortunately, Providence and four events changed my life. The first was a total collapse of my life through deep psychological depression and career reevaluation. Some might call this a midlife crisis, but more than that, it was a family that asked, even demanded more of me as a person, more as a husband, and more as a father. When I was giving myself at the office, my family felt that they had been paying a very high and unfair price. Even when I was home, my family said that my interest and attention was still at the office. As I began to reevaluate the importance of my career, I realized what I thought was important was only temporal. The second event occurred when a friend of mine asked me to help train hospice workers through our local hospital. I just published my first of many books on the subject of dying, death, and bereavement. Of course, I was the expert, and she needed to establish the credibility of her new program. At the end of the training session, she asked if I'd be willing to be a volunteer with one of her patients. That experience in eight years of serving as a hospice volunteer changed my life, and like my father, taught me how little I really knew about the real world of dying patients. Here's the story of art. Art was dying, or at least he thought he was. He had lung cancer, and his family had been caring for him for a long time, and they were totally shot. And he wanted somebody to be with him in the night because he felt this would be the night he would die. And so they said, Mike, would you go at midnight and stay with him until the morning when his family could come back? I said, no problem. 
That way I wouldn't be hurting my family. I'd be gone. They don't miss me after 12 anyway. So I went there and I sat in a little rocking chair, little light on, reading a book. And as I got into the room, I could hear his, his chest rattling from his lung cancer, beginning to fill with liquids. And then I heard nothing. <gasps> he started breathing again. And then he stopped. And he gasped. And I said, holy cow, what's going on here? I called the nurse and she said, well, that's just apnea. I thought you were a specialist in death, dying, and bereavement. I said, yeah, I do questionnaire research. I send out cards, get them back, and write it up. She says, wow, what do you know about the real world of the dying patients? The answer was, not much. So I began to serve, and I began to learn at the sides of beds of patients, and I found my life was being transformed. The third event was a, a student who came into my office asking for advice. She was a foreign student from Japan, and she'd been offered acceptance from a Japanese university at a time when she felt ambivalence about continuing at St. Olaf. She wanted to be home with her mother. She just didn't feel right about where she was, but she realized that maybe this was a good place for her too. So what should she do? I told her, follow your heart. That night I was asked to speak at St. Olaf's Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I began to reflect upon what it means to follow one's heart. Was I living that advice? Where was my heart leading me? I realized that I was neither in touch with my heart nor my vocation of where God was calling me. The fourth event was an invitation from the provost at Westmont College to do some consulting relative to international education at his institution. My wife and I had been doing international education for about 10 years prior to this. So I came there and, uh, and asked them, um, or encouraged them to develop international programs in the third world, in Africa, in Latin America, and in Southeast Asia. And they invited us to start a program for Westmont in 2001 to send students to Thailand. And we began our very first program with 23 students from Westmont College and California Lutheran. We are now in our 10th year. As a result of that experience, I discovered that my heart was calling and leading my wife and me to Thailand. A journey that began in 1990 when we first went to Asia with St. Olaf's term in Asia, but found its fulfillment in 2001 with our spring semester in Thailand program. Um, we are now in our 10th year. And this last week, I've been on the Cal Lutheran campus trying to recruit students for that program. Um, Spencer, who's, who read the scripture today, was our student last year. And it has just been such a blessing to work with students on this campus. If any of you are interested in the program, it's a brief advertisement, go see Lisa Loberg in the Office of International Studies and she'll help you. We still have openings for this year. In retrospect, I came to think about Romans 8.28, one of the first verses I'd ever memorized in my Christian experience. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to God's purpose. This is an incredible statement that I learned a long time ago, maybe 40 years ago when I became a Christian, but today I find it even more true. 
As I look back at my career, I begin to see clearly the way in which God has made all things work together for my good. Even those problems that I had created and also the situations and circumstances about which I had complained so much to God. For only in retrospects could I see that my interests, my heart, and my desires had changed so much in one career. Today I know I've worked at St. Olaf for more than 30 years in what I thought was one job, but now I realize I've had many careers. At one level, it was one person, one job, but for me it was many careers, many different challenges, and many ways of being faithful to God in a single calling of serving God and others. And that calling came together for me as I began to apply the knowledge of my discipline for the betterment of the world. But when did I realize that God was giving me all that my heart desired? I discovered this last year while I was leading our group in Thailand, and I came to realize how much fulfillment I was experiencing in my work with Christian college students and by living in Thailand. I listened to my heart, and it was singing about the contentment of serving others. I received dozens of emails every year from SST alums, and they tell me about how their lives have been changed. We have more than 50 students serving all over the world now. Lives that have been changed and people want to, to venture out and give back. They became more tolerant of people whose religious commitments were different than their own. They saw the need to partner with the poor and the less fortunate of the world to work for social change. And today many of them are serving in so many different places. I too have been changed by this experience. Today, I'm personally involved in supporting orphanages, in building schools and water supplies in Thailand, and also working with the poor in my own community. I think my wife, Anne, said it best after having stayed for one month in a tribal village. She said, I just like the way I feel about myself as I live here and serve these students and live with the Kryn people. She's been a faithful supporter and encourager, encourager of me and our, our students in our adventure of living out our faith. My research, my scholarship on the Kryn people, and my partnership with them in helping them achieve their vision of preserving their own culture while extending the kingdom of God in their area, what we call praxis, praxis, gave me the opportunity to see my many vocations and careers as God's calling to be a whole person in a single job of being a professor. Sociological knowledge and the application or praxis became the means of providing me with true understanding in conclusion, looking both ways to a future and to what God has been always doing in my life throughout my career, I now understand better God's movement in my heart and in my life. I've come to understand that knowledge is not enough. Detached learning in an isolated community must be informed by experiential education, both domestically and internationally. In retrospect, I can now say without reservation, praxis makes perfect. For how can one know one's own culture if one's culture is all one knows? How can one know one's own religious commitments if one's religion is all one knows? Knowledge without application is dead, and research without praxis is useless. Consider again the words of James. James 3.13, 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life and by deeds done for humanity that comes from wisdom. May God bless you. Pachayuporn.